Hello and welcome to Talking Spirits Podcast, episode number 24. I'm very happy about today's episode since it's once again about the bass. And my guest is a very special bassist, the Serbian and Austria-based double bass master Nenad Vasilic. Nenad has created a remarkable and very original body of work as a leader and as a sideman and his records have been a huge influence on me since I heard his first album Folk Songs about 20 years ago. Most recently, Nenad got appointed as a professor for double bass at the prestigious Jazz Institute in Berlin, Germany. We have now been in touch for many years and I'm very happy that he accepted my invitation for a chat. This conversation was recorded in October of 2020 already and we are discussing all things bass, Nenad's path in music and life, the richness of the musical tradition of the Balkans, being a foreigner in Austria and much more. If you are into bass and music, this episode is definitely worth your time. We are wishing a good time listening and I will be back at the end of the episode. Hi, Nenad. Hi, Armin. Hi, I'm very happy that you're taking the time to be my guest today. Thank you. It is my pleasure. We are now like eight months into a pandemic crisis, which is significantly affecting the lives of musicians and artists. Over the last couple of years, you as a bassist have been traveling a lot and touring. And so my first question would be, how are you today and how are you dealing with the situation as it is right now? Yeah, well, the situation is pretty serious indeed. I mean, uh, being a musician today is really a special task, if I may say so. Uh, it's actually we're we're confronting every every musician and bass players. We're basically in the same scenario, cancelling the gigs all the time. We are staying here with with a couple of dates, you know, not really being able to play them and. It's been really a drama lately. I, I was talking to other musicians, and I, I see that the motivation is is gone. You know, so basically, I don't know for how much longer we can all take this situation. Uh, on the other side, I was pretty lucky to I, I run the studio in Vienna for for several years, actually twelve years already, and I was always working in studio a lot. So I was lucky to. To get some uh, to get some free time to to do my stuff in the studio, basically I was doing lately this project of mine, which I was waiting for a long, 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 long time, which is bass and strings, and we did almost the half of the CD, which is really great. It it, it sounds really really beautiful, and and I'm happy with the results and everything. I actually uh, use this time to do some things that I cannot do when I'm on tour, you know, basically, I think that's what we everybody do right now, right? Like yeah. checking the bases, uh, changing the strings, uh, <laughs> <laughs> writing some music. And also I got a teaching job in Berlin. I'm, I'm now teaching uh, on the Jazz Institute of uh, Berlin, JIB, that's the university. Uh, and, you know, Somehow I'm holding my head over the water, you know, but actually I miss playing a lot, to be honest yeah. with you. This online thing is is helping and every now and then I play some gigs. It's not that I'm not playing at all, but I really miss some serious playing. 
Yeah, I I can totally agree with all you said. I mean, for me, it was similar because when it all started, I finally had time to practice, to record, to write new music. Right. And also, this is how I started this podcast, because finally had the time to do it. But at some point, after like six months, I also hit like a rock bottom where, where it was very difficult to to right. stay stay positive and you know and also with me the same i i also also was lucky to play some gigs over the summer yeah. but of course it's not the same because with all the restrictions it's a different experience right. which right. which also might be something you know where we can learn from but uh, it should not be permanent hopefully <laughs> and i think we learned enough <laughs> yeah by now we can go back to normal now. <laughs> by now it should be okay i i agree yeah maybe let's go in, back in time a little bit why not how did it all start for you how did music start for you and how did you become a bass player mm -hmm. well uh when i was really 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 a small kid you know on the beginning i was five i got a toy piano for my fifth birthday you know I think aunt of mine just bought it, you know, and I got this little toy piano. It was red and it sounded great, you know, and it took my attention completely, you know. So my mother and father, they decided to send me to the guy who was teaching the, the small kids. So basically I started playing the piano. I started as a pianist and I was playing the piano until the 12th, 13th year before I started playing the bass. Uh, and I was enjoying the, playing the piano. So basically I, I had this classical education and piano was really my instrument. You know, I, I'm still playing it every day. Uh, the, the thing is, you know, when you get older, when you get with your friends out and you start listening to, so I was heavy metal, hard rock fan, you know, Same here, 13, <laughs> and I heard, <laughs> you know how it goes. And I heard Roger Glover, you know, playing Smoke on the Water. Everybody wanted to be a guitar player, you know, playing this riff. But I somehow, I wanted to be a bass player in this song, you know. Yeah. I like the bass that, you know, that part when he comes in, you know. To, yeah, oh, the oh, eighth oh, note. I think yeah. it was a Rickenbacker, right? <laughs> And that was the part where I went totally crazy about the bass, you know. But to be honest with you, Me and, and my friends, we actually didn't know what instrument was that, you know. So we were asking around all the friends, you know, like, hey, you know, what's this? It's, it looks like a guitar, but it's only four strings. What is it? And then finally we find out it's a bass, you know. And we only, I mean, I only had one, one single task. It was to find the bass, you know. <laughs> and I managed somehow, I think I was 12 or 13. I got my, my bass. And that was the moment when I finished my career as a piano player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So I think it was probably the same with you. You probably started with guitar or... or I started or with piano. the classical guitar and piano. But right. I But I had the very... I had some affection for the bass as well. I, you know, when I was uh, listening to music or when I was watching videos of a band playing, I always paid attention to the bass and I felt attracted right. to the frequencies. And then when I came to Germany in 92 and I started to go to school, I got the chance to play bass at the school band because they had no bass player. And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, I want to do it. And then 
this uh, the teacher who ran the band he he gave me a bass and then I took it home and I you know I I started playing and I I immediately knew okay that's it that's what I want to right. do <laughs> What was your first bass You mean the first one I owned No the first one you played Oh it's like uh, it had a Höfner neck Okay and and the body was just a piece of plywood <laughs> <laughs> Somebody put it together, you know. There's still, yeah, right. There's still some. Uh, there's some pictures of me playing it in the internet. Yeah, you know, it, it was not a particularly great bass, but I of course was not. That's the I, point. <laughs> yeah, I was so happy to have one, especially since I'm a left-handed. You know, well, yeah, it's know. not it was not really. You know, you could not just go and take and buy the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, especially then, in the nineties, I think. The, yeah, now the bass is pretty easy actually yeah But yeah in the 90s you you were probably you could play like four or five bases actually over yeah there. i mean uh, the first bass I, i i really owned is a right-handed semic bass uh which and then i just turned, turned it around, around. <laughs> yeah, right. and i i do still have it i mean i don't play really? on it yeah i still have it it's here amazing um, Yeah, and then I lost my first base, so I I mean I didn't lost it, you know, it it it's lost in perception, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so but but then you started on electric, but uh how how did you come to double bass from the electric? Yes, I started with the electric bass and I was playing playing electric bass for, for a couple of years, different bands. I was also a singer, you know. I was singing all the heavy metal songs, <laughs> you know, I was real heavy metal dude. And <clears throat> Uh, after a couple of years, I realized I'm pretty serious about that bass, you know, and I, I was completely overwhelmed with the sound and the possibilities. And actually, I just wanted to be a musician. It was pretty much clear, pretty pretty early in, in my life, you know, that I want to do that. You know, I want to be a bass player. Yeah. And so I I tried somehow to avoid to avoid going to the regular school. I wanted to, to keep going to the music school, you know. And there was a possibility uh, to go to the music uh, m uh, music high school, you know, yeah. which is basically a normal school and the musical with, with some musical subjects, you know, and with a bass and everything. So that was 90s, you know, 80s, 90s. And you couldn't go there and play electric bass, at least not in Yugoslavia, you know. Mm. You know, you, you couldn't go to school with electric bass. Yeah. Basically, I realized pretty soon that this this double bass is actually almost the same like electric, but if you play that one, you can go to school, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you have all the time to practice your music, you know? And I was like, okay, maybe that's a not bad idea, you know, to start, start playing acoustic bass, you know? And this way I can learn more about the electric bass because that was the thing that I wanted to do, you know? And... I was like, okay, and then I don't have to go to regular school. I can go to music school and learn some harmonies and core arranging and all that stuff, you know, which was really important for me. And, you know, play the double bass and electric bass. So I can go in the nights and, and, and play electric bass in clubs and then do, do the thing that I love the most, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's how I started playing the acoustic bass, you know. Yeah, but then it evolved into something you know over the years when i right. see when i see you playing the double bass now 
It's amazing. So yeah, it's you know you. I'm just talking to my son about these things. Actually, it, you cannot choose if you're an electric or acoustic player. You know, I always wanted to be an electric bass player. You know, that was my dream when I was a kid, uh, and it's the same with him. You know, he's also playing electric, but you know, I got a bunch of gigs on acoustic bass after after the people realized that I'm playing acoustic bass, and I was like, you know. There is this, we were in the 90s, so everybody was playing electric bass. And I was this guy, 15, 16 years old, playing acoustic bass too, you know. Yeah. So, of course, I got all the gigs on acoustic, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I hope I'm going to play more electric, but that never happened. You it know? just didn't go that way. Yeah. I just stayed on acoustic because I had gigs on acoustic, you know. I yeah. pretty, pretty soon, I think I was 16. I got a gig in uh, Kafana, <laughs> you know, and in the symphonic orchestra of Nietzsche, where I was born, and I was playing every day. You yeah. know, I had I had like rehearsal in the morning and gig in the evening. You know, playing acoustic bass, and you know, I was I I, I kept playing in all these band bands where I, where I play electric bass, but actually, you know, yeah, when you play three hundred times a year bass you know then you're a acoustic bass player <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so the, it's so funny how you know just things just happen and then you get uh, directions for how, which way to go without consciously right. planning on it or wanting it what about you are you playing you're also playing the double bass right unfortunately no you but know i think i saw you somewhere with uh, playing some <laughs> Or was that an electric double bass or something? No, I, I, you know, for, with me it was a bit different because uh, I was a metal kid as well, like really okay. <laughs> crazy. And then, you know, when I started, there was also a jazz band at school, and this guy, he wanted me to play he, he, because he also didn't have a bass player, and he always dragged me like, "Can you play my band?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I don't want to play jazz." <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm a metal guy. I don't want, you know, and, and so also my mother, she, uh, my parents, they tried to, you know, convince me uh, they wanted to buy me double bass. But back then I was very narrow, you know, I was uh, not interested. And then, of course, later, you know, later in time, I started exploring jazz music and different styles of music. Right. Yeah. But somehow I never came to, to play playing double bass, but I'm considering, you know, to maybe just get one and start yeah, because because it would uh, be it, it, I think it 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 would be a good thing for a for an electric bass player to get a half half bass you know like like the one I, I saw the Wooten playing one yeah it's it's pretty and it he sounds amazing on that thing, yeah you know? because it's actually pretty close to the to the size of the electric bass you know but it's not a cello you know it's still the bass you know yeah. And actually, that's pretty interesting instrument, you know, mm. also for a double bass players, you know, and this could be an, an entry thing for electric bass player, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm considering, actually, I, I already had a plan to how to realize it, but then Corona came and it was a bit, you know, it became mm -hmm. a bit difficult money-wise, but I, it's still on my mind. I don't, you know, I don't know if I will, would ever become like a great double bass player, but it uh, would be a challenge to, to of course, just start it, you know, and see what happens. It's about exploring things, you know. <laughs> I, I, I started working recently with a, with an Italian guy, 
who is building yeah. very very nice electric double basses you know yeah i, I wanted and to ask you anyway about about him it's really really interesting instrument because i was really I, I couldn't find a good good travel bass or a good electric double bass for years. I, I I wasn't actually even searching that much, you know. But I was trying every now and then, you know, testing instruments and everything. And I was pretty skeptical, you know, about this whole thing. But then this guy came. His name is Roberto Franceschini. Yeah. And he's from Nova Gorica. Uh, I think in Italian it's Gorizia. Gorizia, something like yeah. that. True. It's the same town, you know, it's on the border with Slovenia. And uh, this guy is making two models of the of the double bass, and both are amazing, really. I never I never tried the bass like that. Over the amp, it sounds almost like my acoustic bass, you know? Yeah. And you can actually split it down, you know, you can take the neck off, you can take everything off, and you can really travel with a with a plane, you know. So I like it. I like it more than this David Gage things, you know, mm. which looks like acoustic basses and this thing, this feels like hundred percent acoustic bass. And with Rallys pickup, it sounds almost almost like my acoustic bass. Yeah. We have a friend in Gorizia. Mm -hmm. Aldo De Luca, he's a guitar player. Blue, he's in the blues music. They're playing together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and Aldo right. and Aldo told me about uh, Roberto and about his basses. Roberto so, is great guy. Yeah, really. so I, I was also considering. I, I talked to Aldo about it if he maybe can make a contact because I was also considering yeah. maybe to, to start with this instrument. You know, so but I don't know if you knew, but Roberto is actually making some amazing electric basses too. Yeah, I, I saw it, of course. Yes, really. and then and and so it was so funny for me when I saw you playing his his instruments, you know. Yeah, because I well, that we talked. It, it talked was with, an accident. Yeah, <laughs> we talked with Aldo about uh, we we have uh, while we was on tour with Henrik Freischlader, we visited him in in Gorizia and we stayed there for like two days, and then that's when I met him and when we talked about it. And so I was very uh, was very funny when I saw you playing his basses. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think eventually, well, eventually I will contact him some at some point. <laughs> I strongly recommend because I really, you know, I started working with this guy. We, we we had a great vibe between us. Actually, he came to Vienna and he brought his his, uh, his boat basses, you know, so I can try them. And I was really amazed you know with the sound and basically we made the deal so i'm actually endorsing this guy totally you know yeah. i i don't have many endorsements because i don't like you know writing on my website that i'm playing instruments that i actually don't play you know <laughs> no uh, it should not I'm, be that <laughs> i only work with guys you know like the 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 equipment and gear that i really use you know so i'm, yeah. I'm working for domestic and i'm actually using these strings you know For my yeah. whole life, and I work with uh, Bartolini guys. They're really cool, yeah. cool guys. You know, I really like their pickups on the bass. And I'm working with with uh, Roberto. You know, so basically, only the thing where we can do on the hundred percent, you know, endorsement thing exclusively. And but it's important, you know, that you like the instruments, that you like the product of the of the company, you know, not yeah, just I mean, you know, writing down, okay, I play this and this and you actually never use it, you know. No, it's so the same it's, for me. I, I I mean I never did any deals with uh, where, where I don't like, you know, I have no use for the instrument and also 
for me, you know, it became very important also to have a good vibe with the people, you know, not just uh, not just business, but you and, need to yeah, be connected. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, but um, at some point during the 90s, you decided to leave Niche and Serbia and to go to Austria. I think it was yes. for, to study music. But uh, what, what prompted your decision to, to leave Serbia and why did you choose Austria as your destination? Well, it was, it was pretty easy. You know, uh, you remember the times that were like, we didn't have any internet over then. You know, we, didn't, we couldn't like connect, collect the information from, from the screen, you know. We, we had to really research, you know, and, and kick and stretch, you know, to, to find info about things, you know. And I actually find out that there is a school in Vienna for jazz, which was a conservatory somehow, I forgot the name. And there was another school called uh, American Institute of Music in Vienna. And I heard about the school in Graz, you know, mm. and I knew about the Berkeley. That's that, that was my info, you know, and I was pretty sure when I was 16, I was pretty sure that I'm going to go away from my hometown to study music somewhere in the world, you know, and, and try my, try my luck, you know, finding, finding good bands and uh, playing with good musicians and everything. I wanted, you know, I just want to play the bass, you know, all the time with everybody, all kinds of music, you know? Yeah. And uh, as I told you, so I basically knew, okay, uh, the USA was too far away. So, my safe bet was Austria, you know, to go to go to Austria and try to check the schools and everything. So I applied in uh, uh, Graz, Graz University, and I came actually to Vienna, you know. And I checked the American Institute of Music uh, and uh, this conservatory that was in Vienna. And uh, the American Institute was very interesting for me because it was the with electric bass you know so i thought okay finally now i can i can really do more electric you know again and but it was to be honest with you i think it was way 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 over my budget you know I, mm. which was pretty low you know yeah but anyway it was it was really the most expensive school it was even more expensive than berkeley i think or something like that it was private thing you couldn't get any any stipendium or, or things like that so i went to graz you know because i got invitation from them to go to do the the audition for the university you know yeah and then i went to graz uh, from vienna and graz is a small place i didn't really like it you know because it was like too small you know It's more like, how should I put it? This is the town when you get older, you know, and you need some, some <laughs> need you know, peace and retirement. safe place to, <laughs> to, you know, not, not happening a lot. Yeah. So I basically went over there and there was this guy teaching, Wayne Darling was teaching there and the school was pretty high level, you know. And I did the audition and uh, I got in, you know. And I was like, okay, but I don't want to live in Graz, you know, actually, what should I do now? And they they had some electric bass, but it was the same teacher that was playing acoustic bass. So basically I was playing better than him, you know, mm. and he, he didn't teach me any electric. So we just did acoustic bass. He was a great acoustic bass player. 
But of course, you know, seeing Wayne Darling holding an electric bass, funny, <laughs> like yeah. you know, <laughs> not really happening. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that there was this this little thing in my in my soul. What should I do right now? Because I actually want to go to a bigger city like Vienna or maybe New York or something like that. But I got a great place in uh, in Graz. And actually, the grads was pretty serious because we had like class with 15 bass players from all over the world. And that's a lot. They were all better than me. So I thought, okay, <laughs> that's the right place to be, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes this is the perfect motivation to. Yeah, to move so and I to thought, do. well, you know, if you, if you come to the little town like this and, you know, you see like, almost 20 bass players and everybody's killing then you know not the worst place in the world you know <laughs> to be <laughs> yeah. so I, i decided to stay in graz you know i decided to stay in graz and that's after i finished the, the high school for classical for classical bass in niche i was playing a lot of classical on the double bass which helped me of course a lot you know because This way you you you're making your your solid technique on the on the on the acoustic bass, which is ex actually pretty pretty heavy. You know, yeah. double bass is really heavy instrument at the beginning. You know, yeah, and also you know when you play classical, then playing with the bow is right. uh, one one more very difficult task yeah. to master. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, acoustic bass. You know, like I was always envy about. Because I was I was playing the piano and it was like you know you start playing the piano you sit there and you do like bang and it sounds great <laughs> and you play your bass like for two years and it sounds like <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah. you're out of tune you don't have a sound your fingers are hurting you know your left hand is not working you cannot play upper the octave you know it's like man what a instrument you know <laughs> yeah takes a lot of time it takes a lot of patience. time at the beginning you know. It's, and you have to practice really, really hard, you know. And back then, we didn't have these amazing pickups like today and everything. Actually, it was a big, big problem to to to, to go with a, with a bass on the amplification and everything. So you actually played mostly acoustic, you know. I had some Wilson pickups back then, and you know, it was always a struggle, you know. Yeah, <laughs> with the bass sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, if you know, like you said, back then there was no good pickup, so meaning uh, you need to work harder to make it sound right. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. you know, then it was Graz, you know, and I stayed there, and there was a huge jazz community over there. We had like amazing, amazing workshops. You know, they had big, big budgets, so we we got to. to To play with the guys like Barry Harris or Nils Henning Gorsted Pedersen, mm. you know, I was playing on his bass, you know, and I was chatting with the guy every year, you know. Imagine that, you know, like yeah. it's, it's a huge thing, you know, because you really see Nils Henning coming with his with his mix mixer, you know, and the the sound system. He was always traveling with his bass, you know, and he had this little uh, he had a Wilson pickup. Uh, regular, but he also had a magnetic pickup, like on electric bass, you know, mm. which you couldn't see because it was buried under the under the fingerboard, mm. you know, and he had <clears throat> very low action strings, 
and uh, he had also some magic box. We called it a black box because it was silver, but it was a, a little little black box, you know, with some gums. It looked like pretty forties to me, you know, nineteen yeah, forties. Yeah. <laughs> so, but actually, it was amazing, you know, to learn from this guy. Of course, he had a brilliant technique, and he was playing yeah. with everybody you know, playing all these great solos and having a great groove and everything. But the amazing thing is that he had the same sound on every amp in every room with his bass and, and this little this little mixer. Yeah, he had control. He knew what he yeah. wanted and he figured out a way to, to have a control. Right, and that was yeah. actually, that was really important information for me back then, you know, because... We all had strings like this, you know, got strings. We played acoustically. We all wanted to be black guys from Bronx, you know. And <laughs> I was also playing on the street for many years in Graz, you know, that's how we make a middle living there also, yeah. you know. And it was a common thing, you know, to, to, to work on the street because, for, for example, on Saturday, you could, you could in Kerengasse, in Graz on Saturday, you had like 15 amazing bands playing on the street mm. with enough with enough uh, the space between the bands so you don't mix the sound, you know. But everybody everybody was playing acoustic, you know. Yeah. And playing acoustic on the street, that's where you learn your sound, you know. <laughs> yeah, because it's just you and the bass. It's you and the bass and 2,000 people talking and all the tramps, yeah. you know, everything. So you don't hear yourself. It's like you have to find a way to project that sound, you know. And to, to also get attention right. of, of right. the people. I mean, I found, because I also did my share in playing on the streets with my band Royal Street Orchestra, and I, I found, you know, it was like a very honest experience so meaning that if somebody will stay with you you know if, if somebody i mean people are going to get groceries or get stuff done so they haven't they have no plan to listen to music and so if they do if they decide to to stay with you for like a few minutes then it means you really touched them in right, some way right you know i found you got the point yes yeah very yeah. good uh, experience you know Uh, it's it, it's not the easiest job. Everybody who played on the street knows that. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's really an amazing school for a musician, to be yeah. honest with you. So the, the first thing was obvious, the, the, the thing about sound, for a bass player especially. It's not a problem for a saxophone player, of course not. But for the bass player, it's really amazing to get your sound on the street. But actually, that's what you just what what you were talking about about uh, bringing people, you know, to get them to listen to you. That's actually the the hardest task on the street. Yeah, and you know, first of all, that's the only way to make some money. You know, <laughs> so they, they stay there, you know, and listen to you. But you know, also you, you feel that's like your award, you know, for for being there, you know, and, oh, yeah. and doing stuff. Like, okay, well, I'm not doing this for nothing. Somebody likes what I, I'm doing, you know, and somebody was touched with, with our music. And, yeah, it's it's a, quite a school, you know, to, to work on the street. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, I mean, by now that you went to Austria, that was in the 90s. 95, so, right. 95. I'm, almost 20, I'm 25 years in Austria now. Yeah. 
And so by now you have a rich discography as a leader and composer. And uh, on your albums, you are combining the musical tradition of the Balkans with jazz in a very original way. So I would like to know, I mean, how did this all start for you? Because in the perspective, like, I mean, in the perspective of many people from the Balkans, the traditional music is considered to be, especially with young people, they will say, no, I don't want to listen to this, this music of the peasants, let's say like this, you know, I want to listen to rock and roll and I am not in there. And at the same time, you know, the tradition is very rich and there's so much to, to draw from. So I, I would like to know, you know, like how was this, was the musical tradition always present for you or did it come to you later? At a later point. Well, the musical tradition was always pre present in my life. And I told you I was playing with 16. I was playing folk music, you know. But I have to admit it, I hated it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it because I liked it, you know. I, I did it because that was the way of getting a gig for a bass, you know. I wanted to play the bass when I was 16, 17, you know. And the only way to To, to get uh, to get a gig, you know, was to play the folks music too, you know. Yeah. And actually, back then, I thought it's like a punishment, you know, because mm -hmm. I wanted to play funk music, I wanted to do jazz gigs, I wanted to do heavy metal stuff and everything, you know. But I had to play like, um, 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 <laughs> um, 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 you know. And so I. I Soon I had to came, to come up with, uh, with a plan, you know, uh, in order to stay alive playing this music, you know. Uh, it was like I, I started to practice my bass, really, you know. Uh, like I would decide, for example, this evening, I'm everything I'm going to play tonight is going to be in the fifth position, you know. <laughs> so I do like five-hour gig only in fifth position. And then I say like, okay, Tomorrow I will play the whole big gig on E and A string. I will yeah. not touch D and G, you know. So you came up with challenges for yourself, right? Yeah. And then on the next day, I, you know, that the the most important things in folk music is about knowing the songs. So you have to mm. soon. You have to find out, like you have to check like a couple of thousands of songs or hundreds or I don't know. I never counted, you know. But you really have to be able to. To know how to play the right notes for all the songs, you know. Yeah, doesn't matter if you like them or not, or if you know them or not, you know. So I was pretty good at that because at the same time you're you're actually working on your on your ear, you know, ear training. Mm -hmm. It's a great ear training, and you 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 develop this this skill of learning songs fast, which is really important for just playing jazz playing jazz standards because that's the same thing. You have to know yeah. a lot of songs, you know. And that uh, was actually my approach to this folks music was not because I liked it, you know. It was because I could play that, you know, and yeah. I had a gig. And that's how it started for me. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, when you're young and doing things, you don't know what's going to be next thing in your life, you know. So I actually gained a lot of knowledge about the folks music, you know. So mm. I... First of all, I grew up in the city of Niš, which is actually, we say in Serbia, the biggest gypsy town in Serbia, you know? Yeah. So we're lucky enough to have all these gypsy musicians over there. And I was really, I grew up with them, you know? I grew up with uh, 
with with a feeling that it's not you know being academical about music is one thing you know but you know going into the uh, you know center of the music like you know in your soul and your when you have the, the music in your in your veins, you know, yeah, that's that's what they do. What I like to say is like the gypsies have the, have the key of the music, you know. They yeah. have the key of the of the little box where the music is, and they can <laughs> but, open it. But did you did you also happen to see Shaban Bayramovic live? Oh, of or? course, all the time on the streets. Yeah, you could see him every day. You know, I never got a. The guts, you know, to come to him. I even wrote a song for him and, and everything, but I never got the guts to go to him and say, Hey, hi, can we play together? You know, I'm <laughs> a little bass player. <laughs> I, you couldn't do that with Shaba. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, just just the chance to, to be able to be there and to witness. Being around him, it's a, yeah. It, it gives course, you a certain yeah. feeling. I saw him alive a lot of times, you know, being in the places where he was playing and singing. Uh, I was neighbor with him because I was, when I was really, really small, uh, I, I was, I was living in a gypsy, gypsy quarter, you know, for, for a short period of time. And it was the same place where he was living. And also actually I, I, you could meet him on the street, you know, walking around with his wife, you know, yeah. he, he had his place where he was uh, drinking coffee and, and, and beer, you know, in the center of town. So you could meet Shaban every day if you want, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great thing, you know. It's uh, Nish has this this uh, gypsy fluid, which is really important for my music. Yeah, uh, but but then I mean, from what you just described, you know, having to play this music but not really wanting it. When, when did it start for you that you felt like? this could be a thing for you and also that you had uh, the inspiration to write original music in this, you know, in this style. How, how well, did this grow? It all, it all came later, you know, after, after I did my studies in Graz, I was done with studying and I was playing a lot. I was doing all the different stuff, mostly jazz, you know, but playing all, I was always, uh, thrilled to exp to explore new music so I, I i always wanted to to do a lot of jazz but i was open for other music styles you know i i didn't want to be this kind of jazz, jazz police you know thing <laughs> where you play only 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 the certain era of jazz you know like playing yeah. only bebop or hardbop or i i my thing is jazz yeah that's my first thing but i was always open for other 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 things too and i was doing a lot of different things in graz and in austria and i soon soon i started playing all around the europe and you know playing jazz with with american cats and everything but there was something missing you know um personally for me in this music you know i felt like i'm i'm not really the original i'm being kind of Fake, you know, doing doing days only, you know. Yeah, that that's how I felt, you know, when I when I stand next to, next to a guy from New York, I felt like he has more right to play jazz than I do, you know. And yeah. I didn't like that feeling, you know. I I was like, mm. you know, I dedicated my whole life to this space, so I don't want to feel like I am not allowed to do something, you know. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go until the end of the road, you know. Yeah. And 
also, you know how it is, we're more or less in the same situation. We both left our countries pretty young, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's a thing that you carry in your heart for your whole life. You yeah, know? it's true. And also dealing with, uh, with the fact that uh, you are suddenly somewhere else and you need to start right. a new life from yes. scratch with nothing, you know. Right. Yeah, that's, that's something. It's quite an experience. And, and that, was, that was the point, you know, where emotionally just I started to, to, to dig, you know, and all these songs that I played in niche when I was young, they just came out, you know. Yeah. Everything just came out and I was like, man, this music is so good and so nice, you know, and yeah. you don't actually have to play the standards only, you know, and I was open enough to, to be aware of that, you know, so I was like, why don't we try to, to mix some, some things with, to mix some jazz that we're playing with this folks music and see what it's all about, you know, Yeah, If we can come up with something. And there was another guitar player, Zoran Cekic from from zagreb uh he was we were pretty good friends playing a lot together we are doing some uh experimental uh jazz music and then you know some some free stuff also you know and some cl uh, experimental classical thing with jazz you know so uh, the modern thing and we both decided to to start exploring you know like we brought like a song like utem somboru for example that was The first song I, I did, it it got recorded or, or maybe with a basis or something. Uh, and we started exploring this, you know, and it was like the sky opened, you know, <laughs> suddenly. It was like, you know, that feeling, you know, it was like, man, that's it. That's what we're, that's what we're looking for, you know, that's what I wanted to do, you know, actually. And then you realize that you're so hip because you know couple of hundreds of songs that nobody else does you know because you live in austria you know <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i i know like when i remember for me it was kind of similar because around maybe 2001 or something you know i i came to here to listen to sandy lopicic orchestra who he's also living in graz that was my first right. and they they did the, the first album border confusion i mean they played like traditional songs but with the big band and modern arrangements and i i was like wow okay this this also can be done with <laughs> with this type of music amazing this works so, this works yeah, yeah. And, and then th this is what brought it back to me of course i mean i didn't when i was in yugoslavia i didn't play this uh, type of music but it was still around you know it, mm -hmm. it was still around and i was listening to it you know But I, back then I was like, no, I'm I'm a rock guy, you know, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. And then hearing this album brought it back to me. And also, as I told you, your album, Balkan Songs, because my father gave it to me. I, I think mm -hmm. he bought it in Sarajevo. Okay, yeah. You mean the folk songs? Yeah, folk songs, not Balkan songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he, he brought it to me. And I, I, I mean, I still do love it. And, and this album also, <laughs> yeah. And and this album also was very influential for, for my path. I'm very pleased and to just, hear that. <laughs> you know, and, and then because just, you know, the, the combination between the tradition and, and improvisation, modern elements, jazz, and also the sound you had on that album, that, that was what really drew me to it. And I, you know, I still, still love it to this day. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, the first album was pretty, pretty 
pretty interesting journey, you know, because I was I was in Graz and I was trying to persuade jazz guys to play this music, you know. <laughs> and I remember there was a German saxophone player over there. I forgot his name, and I I tried to play with him. Sede for Maika Budjeshe, probably. Mm. He was like, "What's this? What's this? This is nothing." <laughs> And he didn't want to do it, you know. <laughs> and then actually it was pretty hard to find the guys. And then later he came to me and he was like, oh man, I made the mistake. I'm so, well, now it's too late, you know. I have mm. five other guys playing your place, you know. So it's it was pretty, pretty new. I also, but not only the, the American or Austrian musicians or, or German musicians, uh, I also had trouble with, with the Yugoslavian guys. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it, you know, because for somebody who who never played this music or never never liked it, you know, which I I can understand, you know, yeah, uh, you you want to do some some jazz stuff. You're not interested in in folklore music when you're twenty, and these guys couldn't play this music at all. You know, mm. it was like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a different, it's a different language in in, right. in all regards, like especially also rhythmically. You know, with all the odd meter stuff, it's not for right. everyone. Right. And and also Especially like, this, yeah, yeah the, the, this this something. But it, well, you know, what I found like with the odd meter stuff, many try to access it by their brains, you know. But I I think uh, most important is to f- just feel it, not right. to think too much. <laughs> Well, you know, what I like to say about the bass to my students is always the same, you know. I think, and it's not just about the bass or about the bass only, it's about everything in your life. Uh, I think you have to combine all the skills. So, all the skills and emotions, you know. Uh, Because doing just with emotion is not enough, you know, because if you don't know what you're doing, it's hard. But doing only with your brain is... uh, Exactly not enough, like only if you do it by, by heart. So you, you have to really combine it all, you know, in order to make it work. You know? yeah. And I think in, in everything you do, you just have to combine as many sides of, of human being, you know, to, to make that thing complex and, and, you know, interesting for everybody else to hear. Yeah, I agree. In the Balkans, for instance, the people who like traditional music, They are mostly interested, they are very strict, you know, s- sticking to the tradition. And if you try to do something else, like combine it, they just say, no, it's too modern. You know, we don't want to have jazz in our music. And also the same phenomenon can be witnessed with many jazz lovers or or like for that matter in any kind of music. There are lots of people who are like puristic, you know, and they, they don't want to have the mix of styles. Uh, yeah. At the same time, I mean, the albums you did, I think you did 12 by now. Yes, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they are held in high regard by the press, by the music press, for instance, from all over the world. And, and they are also listened to by people from all over the world. So Yes, that's the most important. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what I want to ask you about. Like, uh, you know, starting from that point where you start to go that way, And now, like 25 years later, you have a, you have a career and you have a, like lots of albums. So, yeah. how how's your how was your experience 
with the perception, like how, how the music was perceived by people? Well, I mean, we're all in the same shoes, probably, you know, but you, you know exactly as good as I do that the, the minute you, you're uh, not... The minute you don't want to put the label on your back, then you're in trouble. You have a problem. <laughs> so people want to label you, you know, so they can deal with you easier, you know. Yeah. But if you're kind of guy that doesn't want to be labeled, you know, then you have to fight for that, you know. Yeah. You have to fight True. for that not having something on your back, you know. Yeah. So you have to, to check all the time if there is something on your back, you know. Yeah. People tried to, to label me as a world musician and Balkan guy, you know. But I was actually doing a lot more of jazz festivals than, than world festivals, you know, far far more. Then, the, you know, so the jazz guys were always like, no, you know, well, that's that's world, you know, that's not jazz. Or at least it has to be world jazz. Okay. <laughs> I never say anything, you know, I just do my thing. So then you go and you play a gypsy festival with Martin Lubinov, then they say, oh, man, that's too much jazz, you know, that's... That's jazz, you know. But that's what I mean, you know, like Right. You know, then you're you're doing your, your double bass thing, and I'm also doing the same thing with the double bass. I'm using so many different techniques on my double bass, you know. And then the guys are like, Well, you know, that's not really a classical technique. I know <laughs> <laughs> it's a combination of all, you know. That's 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 the point, you know. Yeah. I think well, you need some kind of straightness, you know, to and I don't know, some belief, you know, I don't know how to, how to put it, to stay in this world and try not to be labeled, you know. Yeah. To, you have to have the guts for that because everybody is attacking you because people are, some of them are just afraid that you're walking around without labels. Yeah, they would be scared not to have any label. That's what I wanted to say. So many <clears throat> are really uh, scared of yeah. it, you know. If That's you take it. the freedom to just say, I'm, you know, I'm not uh, this or that. I'm just a musician and I love to play everything which, right. you know, which uh, uh, affects me in some way. Right, right. Ah. And I think, you know, when, when I talk to my son or my daughter or when I talk to my students, I cannot stress that enough. You have to, to fight to be yourself, you know. Yeah. You know, it's like your arm in your left hand, you like the music that you like, you know, you came from the country living in other country. You're such a unique combination. There is no two Armands over there, you know? Yeah. You just have to be yourself, you know? And <clears throat> that's, that's what I'm doing on my albums. Actually, I'm, I'm exploring, I'm, I'm searching, I'm, I'm trying to do different things. You know, I, sometimes I record something that, could be done better you know but i that's the point you know of <laughs> of testing things if something is working together you know if something could be done or not you know for example my first my first thing was that, that they a really a big test was playing for example three parts of of songs like treasure more or mm. we were doing some free parts of uh the free approach to the to the songs like uh Shaban's songs uh Ibarval Pudela and things like that you know you're bringing two worlds together I don't know for me I'm excited at that moment you know when yeah. I when I know the original song and then we're working that with with some guys from from all over the the, the globe you know recording it somewhere you know bringing that song 
to, to other people and it's pretty exciting you know I have to be honest with you sometimes when I do jazz standards only playing on the on these stages sometimes it's amazing you know but a lot of times man I feel like well I wish I worked in a bank you know <laughs> <laughs> because it's rather always, than staying on big stage yeah you know, because it's it misses the element you just talked about to to yeah. have the courage to 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 go somewhere else with it and i also think you know approaching it that way is also allowing the tradition to still stay alive you know and to grow you know i mean yeah. if that's what it what it's needed i think <clears throat> Of course, I think this music is good enough, you know, the Balkan music is so rich, you know, there yeah. is, it's unexplored, actually. It's really unexplored. So I think uh, it deserves to to be worked on, you know, it yeah. deserves to, to, to live, to be there. So, and it's a lot of fun, you know, I, I remember my first, first attempt to, to play the bass solo over Eleanor Kerko on 7-8. It was like, Okay, I know the song. I I I play seven eight my whole life, but I cannot play the solo. <laughs> yeah, because like improvising shit. is uh, improvising over it is different. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, then you start start practicing that thing, you know, and it it makes your whole universe, you know, open up. Yeah, yeah, but then you know when we're talking about your discography. Like uh, like we just said, you have recorded 12 albums and very different lineups, you know, with many different musicians. Yes. Some are like with the with the big band and then others are like just a duo or like trio, you know. But there are two albums which are very different from all the others. And this is uh, the first being uh, The Art of Balkan Bass from 2014. Right. And the second is called Bass Room from last year, from 2019. And on those albums, it's just you playing. Like, right. it's, it's just you with the bass. And also, you don't, you do no overdubs. No. So they are real solo, <laughs> solo albums. And you, it's just you with your bass. And you play, you know, just by yourself. But still, when one listens to it, uh, it sounds like a whole band was playing. <laughs> so. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Actually, it's not nothing missing, you know. Yeah, the thing with the solo bass is let's this is this is something totally different, you know. I the, it, it started like this, you know. Actually, I'm a big, a huge fan of of a good audio sound, you know. I'm that's yeah. what I'm really, you know, working on for years, you know. And I always experiment with uh, bass recordings and you know, different mics and preamps and everything, you know, with my double bass and. You know, doing that actually, I just I just get my bass out and play, you know, and try mics, you know, and come up with little songs and you know, and I was doing that for years, and suddenly you realize, okay, you know, you have so many different songs, so it's a lot of material actually. It sounds great. It's totally different. Again, you have to have the courage, the courage to 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 bring that. You know, to the world. Oh yeah, uh, because it's it's again something different. You know, like playing alone. Yeah, and, and especially it's you know you are let's say you are really naked because it's only you and you can hear like the slightest nuance and everything. And you can everything, hear everything, and, and there's no way you can hide anywhere. <laughs> right, right. 
And, you know, so I did it, you know, actually. And I was talking to different people and they were like, man, this sounds great. It's so interesting. Why don't you put this out? And I was like, well, not really sure about it, you know. And it stayed for a while. I never thought about it again, you know. And <clears throat> But it came again and again to me, you know, because I was working on that stuff and, you know, doing that stuff. And finally, I decided to maybe try to put the city together and then eventually not putting it out, you know, but just to make just it for to me it. to see how it works. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I did, you know. I just did the whole CD. It had like 15 songs and everything. It was the first version of the, the art of Balkan bass. And I was like, well, what I'm doing is actually Balkan bass, but not in the in the sense of how people are reacting to Balkan music. Like, okay, let's go dance, you know. But mm -hmm. actually, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm playing this sophisticated stuff on my double bass, but it's buried under all the instruments, you know. So actually, on most of the stuff, I was actually just playing what I play normally, you know. Yeah. But when you when you when you solo the bass, that's how it sounds, you know. And I was doing that, and I, to be honest with you, I was like, no, I I cannot put the album like this, you know. It's <laughs> like too much, you know. And then Boyan came to me and he was like, okay, let me hear that shit, what you're doing, you know. Boyan, and I, Boyan Zofikripasic, yeah. yeah. And I sent him and he, he called like a day after that and he said, hey, put it out. Yeah. And I recorded two more songs, two more songs, which are uh, Vranjanka mm -hmm. and the the burn from the purple with his pants. <laughs> and I recorded that two songs, uh, made the videos and put them on the CD, and then I put them out, you know. And it was amazing, you know. I, that, that was totally surprise for me, you know, because I didn't expect anything like that. First of all, these videos got really viral, you know. It was yeah. amazing. Like, they were everywhere, you know. And I was People, so happy. I was, from, For instance, from me, I was so happy to see, you know. Also, the, this video is being shared by the bass community, you right. know, and... and, and I was so happy that to find people really getting it, you know, and feeling it, and and so it was. It was, it was really special. amazing, you know. I was really surprised and pleased at the same time, you know, uh, for many reasons. You know, first of all, I was playing the bass alone, you know, so the the fact that anybody's willing to listen to that anyway, you know, is like a great thing. And then, second of all, I'm doing two of my uh, passions, you know, like playing Deep Purple. <laughs> and playing playing uh, Balkan folk songs, you know, <laughs> like doing totally two different. I mean, how can you connect the purple with Ranyamka? You know, <laughs> but for me, it's the same thing. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> it's the same pleasure, right? And and then I I put these two videos out. It was a huge thing, you know. And this CD was selling like like crazy. You know, the the guys in the Hong Kong they went crazy about the sound and everything. And people started calling me for the solo concerts, you know. And I was like, hey, now this is getting serious, you know. Mm. And I remember playing the first solo concert in Vienna. And I was, uh, I went to the club, you know, and I started to play, man, that was, that was li like, I was born again, you know. I, yeah. It was so difficult. Oh, yeah. I never, you know, because you're playing, then you stop, then you have to say something. Then <laughs> you have to start playing again, you know, and then you stop and then you have to say something again, you know, and it's like, man, 
and I'm just a bass player, you know, I'm sitting behind doing my shit, you know, you know how it is. We're doing, we're in the same job, you know. Usually in the band context, we are pretty much, you know, just in the back of, yeah. of it and we feel good there, you know. <laughs> so well, you choose to be a bass player because you like to be behind in the fundamental yeah. thing of the, of the band. And, you know, if you would like to be a singer, then you were going front, you know, you would not exactly. play the bass. Yeah. And, you know, my first solo concert that was like, I I thought I'm going to embarrass myself, you know, and that's, that's going to be the worst thing in the world. And it was really heavy experience of me playing one and a half hour for people without a stop, you know. I thought I'm going to die, you know. <laughs> my hands were hurting, you know, because you're actually soloing at one and a half hour, you know. Yeah. You're not just doing bass lines. And that was, you know, I was totally wet, you know. I, I was I was in water, you know. <laughs> But the people were happy, you know, and I was like, oh man, I have so many things that I have to that I need to practice, you know. It's like totally this this gig is not happening, you know. This is totally you know, I have to prepare myself better for this, you know. Yeah. And then I started playing solo concerts, you know, and I it got really serious, you know, where I was really like preparing myself for a couple of weeks before every concert. And then it was always less, like one week before the concert practicing and, and doing stuff. And I did like more than 20 concerts of solo bass, which was actually something that I didn't expect at all, you know. Yeah. And selling all these records and everything. And by working on the material for the concerts, I came up with a whole another city, which was a bass room, actually. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's how it happened. And the bass room is actually working great, but now we know about the thing, you know? So <laughs> uh, we're not surprised, you know? <laughs> It's just people like like solo bass. And there is another thing. There is another thing. The minute I, uh, I realized that the John Patitucci and uh, uh, Larry Granadier, they they made a solo CDs in the same year as I did the bass room, my second one after five <laughs> years after the, 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 the art of the Balkan bass. It was like, okay, that's, that's amazing. You know, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you're looking, I was looking for, for a solo CDs when I was doing the bass, uh, the art of the Balkan bass, you know, just for the sound, for the idea. And all I could find was some ECM stuff from Dave Holland and uh, Flip Phil, uh, no, Phil. Oh, man, what, what's his name? I forgot. Uh, Flip Philip. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I have to find out. Uh, you know, like two, two or three CDs, one from Ron Carter, Not much more than that. Then. And then two years later, you have all these solo bass CDs with Adam Ben Ezra, with uh, uh, John Patitucci, with Larry Grenadier, you know. And it's like a cool thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, but you just also mentioned that uh, you have a new album coming. Yes. And, uh, it's bass with strings. So uh, what is it? Is it a quartet or is it a bigger... String Actually, I'm, I'm preparing three albums at the moment. <laughs> okay. The first one that's going to come out is actually a compilation of my previous songs. And this is going coming out on the 4th of December. Like a best uh, of? Like the best of volume one. It's going to be a volume two of 
also, but this is volume one uh, compilation coming out with uh, with uh, old songs, uh, newly remastered, and this is going to be something to put out in December. And the next thing that I'm working on is actually what I, what I told you already. It's uh, based with the strings, and what we're working on for a long time is uh, a recording of my songs with a big band. Oh yeah, and we we did all the arrangements. Everything is prepared, but we were supposed to open jazz festival in Belgrade with that, but it uh, it was supposed to be in October, but. It, it moved to December and now we're waiting if it's going to be cancelled or not, you know. Mm. But I strongly hope that I'm going to be able to open the Belgrade Jazz Festival with that program, you know. With the big band. With the big band. Yeah, yeah. So we have all the preparation, everything is done. I'm working on that for like years, you know. Then the last year I was working really hard and now we have 10 arrangements of my songs done for the, for the big band with three different arrangements from the USA, from Serbia, from Macedonia, Austria, uh, and the stuff is done. Sounds great. It sounds amazing. I look forward to play these songs because you know it's my my compositions, but arranged by other people. You know, it's different, yeah, because there's a different perspective, and also with with the big band, you have a, like many possibilities for instrumentation right, and right. arrangements and you know some of the bass lines are so heavy i have to practice them now <laughs> <laughs> so i have to practice the bass for my own songs which is a new experience yeah. and <clears throat> and th this is something i've been waiting for a long long time you know i have this idea for like 15 years and i thought okay you know maybe now's the time you know that's the, the what we talked on the on the beginning about the corona if there is anything good about the corona than this that yeah. i managed to finally organize arrangements for my music for the big band at least you know <clears throat> this is something i couldn't done before you know because yeah. you just don't have time to do that yeah and also some ideas i think take Time, not just for the reason that you have a lack of time, but also because they need time to grow. So I'm, I'm also very curious, you know, to see, uh, to listen to, to your new, because I'm very familiar with the old albums, but this will be different. Will be you know, this different thing with, uh, with the strings is working pretty well because I'm, I'm playing mostly fretless bass, you know. Oh, electric. And, oh yes, I'm doing a lot of fretless <laughs> bass on, on these songs and. <laughs> going to be pretty interesting it's a very good mixture you know with the fretless and strings additionally to your work as a leader you are also working as a sideman meaning that you also play bass for other artists oh yes and most notably at least from what i'm seeing in the last couple of years you played a lot with the bosnian singer amira medunanin and so i would like to know what, what can you say about this corporation Uh, and also, how would you describe for yourself the difference between working as a leader and working as a sideman? Yeah. Well, the thing is, when you're a bass player, the first thing you get to do in your life and your career is playing the sideman gigs, right? So yeah. before before I, 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 I started working as a band leader, I was working for years as a sideman, you know. So, and also then when I started, my first album was like 2000 folk songs, and I also worked as a as a sideman for many years after that, you know. But then in in one point, you know, you get to build this uh, 
you just had enough of the of the old assignment jobs that you did, you know. So you basically try to choose the right ones, you know. Then you know, try to choose the 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 assignment jobs where you can actually, uh, you know, bring something to the table, you know. Like, yeah, I'm not like, just be like a machine base machine. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. And you know, the the thing with the the, the project with Amira Medunyanin was a thing like that. You know, she told me I didn't know who she was, uh, and she told me that uh, she's making a band with the Vlatko Stefanovski, uh, Bashar Khalife. And Boyan's Ofikovashic. And when you hear a call like that, you would say, Yes, <laughs> I want to be there, you know. Of course. Especially, <laughs> especially I, I, I know Boyan for so many years, you know, and we work together. And I always wanted to work more with Boyan, you know, because he's one amazing musician, still, yeah. and musician, as we all know. And then I also worked with Vladko Stefanovsky. And I wanted to work more with him, you know. And Bashar Khalifa, I knew about the Khalifa family from Paris, but I didn't work with him. So it was an occasion, you know, to, to maybe do something with him. And then it was just all, I, I remember it was, I think, 2010. She told me mm -hmm. if I have uh, a week to work with them on the new album in Leipzig. Mm. I was like, okay, Leipzig. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. It was good enough for so many composers, so it should be good enough for us too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was this, uh, this uh, uh, Walter Quintus, late Walter Quintus, uh, who, who was actually producing the whole stuff together with Boyan. And we actually met in Leipzig, not knowing each other. I knew Boyan, Boyan knew me. And that was the story, you know, that was the, really beginning of the whole adventure with Amira. And the recording was like pretty crazy. You know, there was, we had, uh, we had uh, difficulties with them, with the mix pool for the two days. We're not doing anything, you know, just having food and talking, <laughs> playing, you know, we didn't record a single note, you know, for two days. <laughs> it was just, you know, having fun, you know. But you you know it's gonna come up fine, you know. And then we had some, you know, difficulties with musicians, then some of them were gone after two days, then we had some new musicians coming up to the studio. It was pretty chaotic, you know. And but the first thing I remember that we recorded, it was uh, the the song that we actually didn't know that we were recording. So because I was in the I was in the hall playing the bass and Amira was in the booth, you know, somewhere over there, you know. And we were playing Bella Ruge, you mm -hmm. know, from Shaban. Mm -hmm. And actually for me, it was from Zvonko, you know, but uh, Zvonko Bogdan. But uh, Amira liked the version with Shaban better. So for Amira, it was playing Shaban. And for me, it was playing Zvonko, you know. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was staying there and we were doing this almost not touching the instruments, almost not, you know, just the two of us, you know, trying things. Actually, I was checking the, the key because I think it was some strange key. I don't know, you know, she, she would just try to start to sing. And then uh, somebody just put, put the mic on, on the bass, you know, and we were doing that so I can have something in my, my headphones. And it was done, you know. I, 
<laughs> we didn't know it was even recorded, you know. We asked Walter after that, did you record that thing? And he said, you bet I did. You know? <laughs> uh, and he was like, of course I did, you know. And we all forgot about it, you know. At least I, you know. I never thought about it because we had all these hit tunes, you know, like... Uh, Mario Bella Cumbrio was like amazing, you know, and Jovka uh, uh, Kumanovka and so many nice songs, you know. It was really an, an amazing session, you know. Yeah, I really enjoyed album. a lot. You know? Great album. And I was really, there, there was one, one story about this session. I will tell you that I, I don't think we ever talked about it. But actually, Kafu Midraga Ispeci was the trio song. So we started playing with the bass, piano and the voice. And it mm. was amazing, you know. And suddenly, after two takes, I think we got it. I, I never heard it after that. But I think it's recorded. And as far as I remember, this sounded really great. Walter thought, like, why don't we do another duo song with the piano and the voice of the same, of the Kafu Midrago Special? And we were like, yeah, great idea. I went outside and they were recording two or three takes. But we were all sure the trio version is going to be on the CD, you know. Mm. But they had also this duo version, for, for that matter. Uh, and then, after the mixing was done and everything, I got the CD, and the opener was Bella Ruge with duo bass and voice. And I was like, did we even record that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh man, you know, this huge bass sound coming out. I was like, wow, this is beautiful, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I was playing really, really minimalistic, which I adore, you know. I, I, I like playing less always, you know, if possible. Yeah. And with this beautiful Amira's voice and opening the album with a bass and voice, it was like, you know, Deep. really a nice thing. Yeah. And then, I, you know, it was the first thing that was like, wow, man, great, you know. And the Walter did a great sound and everything. But then you hear... What happened to that bass on Kafu Midraga is Petsy? You put that out, you motherfuckers. <laughs> but they had they had this huge, huge, you know, uh, do a thing with Kafu Midraga is Petsy, which was basically the the main thing on our concerts later, you know, this tour stuff. It yeah. was a good decision, actually, if you ask me as a producer, I would do the same thing, you know. Yeah. But I felt kind of sorry, you know, <laughs> not being there on that song. You know? But yes. I got my opener, so you know, basically <laughs> so it was okay. <laughs> it evened out, <laughs> yeah. And and working in this band was, I have to say, it was really amazing. It was really yeah. amazing because we ended up on the end uh, working as a trio. You know, it was Boyan, me, and Amira. You know, and Boyan and I, we really played our asses off. It wasn't yeah. like you know, camping a singer. No. We were really playing, you know, and we were playing these huge, huge stages, you know, with a lot of people. It wasn't a jazz thing, you know. We were playing for at least a thousand, thousand people, five hundred people, two thousand, five thousand people, you know. And you start playing in front of the of five thousand people in Belgrade, and the second song is a bass solo, you know, thing <laughs> like play alone, you know, not having given <laughs> anybody out there. You're alone, boy, and it's playing some. Plink, 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 you know. 
<laughs> you're like doing the solo in uh, Salad Center, you know, but like, oh. it was amazing, amazing experience, actually, you know, when Amira was doing a great, great job playing with Boyan was, was a lecture every time on the stage, you know, I it's can like imagine. playing with your favorite guy every time <laughs> and getting paid for that. Yeah. It's like, great, you know. So it was a great experience, I have to say, you know, it was really like doing two CDs. The second one, I was also a little bit more producing because I was mixing the second CD, the Silk and Stone. Mm. We recorded it live in Lisinski. It was recorded in one, in Lisinski room, in one room, just one take. And it was a huge task to mix that, to mix that thing, you know, mm. and make it work. So it was a great experience to work with these guys, you know. Yeah, and also what I when I have been listening to the recordings a lot, and what I also like, you know, is that there's so much coming together. I mean, she's she started out as a Sevdah singer, meaning that she sang the, the old Sevdah songs, <clears throat> but then she's not doing just that. She's also sing, singing like I don't know Macedonian songs, right. Serbian songs, yeah. like also some some which are not in the traditional music at all and and but then you know having all of this combined in in the way like you did it's it sounds very homogenic and natural we are talking again about being open i'm talking now about amira first of all uh, imagine any other singer being able to play with the boyan and me you know on the stage it's like <laughs> You know, we were playing our our, our asses off, you know, yeah. and it it's not an easy for a folk singer, you know, to, yeah. to be there on that stage, you know, and she was there, you know. Yeah, to get all of it and, and she go was there. In. That's the first thing. And the second thing that I really uh, admire about her is uh she really feels the South Serbian music, the Macedonian music. She re she really loves that. No, it's That's not what like I mean, being, you know? being hype and doing some cool stuff. It's not about that. About that. She re she really loves that 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 songs, you know, that, yeah. that she was singing from Macedonia or from South Serbia and everything. And she's trying her best to to really play them well, you know, and to do it justice. But yeah, that that's what right. I mean. That's what I love about it too. Well, there is another project that I did with her actually without Boyan, and that was a big band almost. We had 10 different people from 10 different Balkan countries, musicians. I put up together a great band, you know, and I wrote the arrangements for that. And we, we opened the Olympic Games in in London with that band on the Trafalgar Square. You know, we were playing mm -hmm. there and a couple more gigs in Sarajevo and everything. And she was doing there that was even more improvised with more jazz, really like jazz arrangements and everything. You know, there is some there's some videos from the Sarajevo concert and then London concert online. That's something completely different. You can you could see she's really open, you know, for, for yeah. doing different stuff, you know. And we did a couple of great things together. I'm yeah. really proud of that, you know. Yeah. And of course, we had a lot of fun, you know. It's like we, we laughed like all the time, you know. Like I remember being on tour in Scandinavia, you know. No, it was like it was sick, yeah. <laughs> With Boyan and her, you know, like ha having uh, having jokes all the time, ten hours a day, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think you you, you uh, earlier you talked about you know choosing the jobs, the sideman jobs you want to right. do. And I think, I mean, I have been going through the same experience and then uh, 
But I think this aspect, you know, of really being having a good time together and having fun on the road is very important because if you don't yeah. have that, then it becomes like just you could also be working anything else just to get money, you know. So yeah, and right. and I also think it shows in the music, you know. I think you cannot, uh, at least for me, when I'm when I'm not feeling well with the people. I mean, I can play. I can play with anyone. It's no problem. But it's not gonna cross a certain point, you know. Right, if it, right. If you if you don't have that magical thing going on between you and another musician, it's it's hard. And being on tour with guys that you don't really at least dig, you know, at, at some uh, you know basic level, then it's really it's difficult. It's it's easier, you know, to like the guys we are playing with. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so but you're now nowadays you're still living in Vienna. Like yes. as you said for like 25 years. Mm -hmm. And Vienna is a city which is, of course has a rich history, you know, like cultural and uh, you could be seen as a crossing point of many different cultures, west right. and east and I don't know. But at the same time, at least from where, where I'm looking at it, one gets the impression that uh, living in Vienna as a foreigner It's not necessarily easy, you know. No. Uh, yeah. And so I would like to ask you that, like, how do you feel as a foreigner in Austria and in Vienna, and what are the experiences you are making? The thing is, you know, the thing is, um, I'm here for a long time, and I managed to make an international career, you know, and that's one of the things that helps me stay in Vienna, you know. <laughs> yeah. Be because if I would be a local guy, you know, I don't think I would stay here for too long, you know. Being a foreigner in Vienna is actually pain in the ass, you know. Uh, these people here will, they would never confronted like Germans, you know, with the uh, with Second World War, you know. They're still saying they were occupied, occupied, you know, by Germans and things like that, which is actually not true, you know. And we all know that, we all know the history, we don't need to go there. But, you know, actually, they were not being honest to, to the world, you know. And they were not being honest to their kids and to, to each other, you know, this, to, to their selves, you know. And actually, they, they are there are a lot of nice people here, you know, and uh, it's nothing nothing wrong with, with Vienna. Everything is cool, you know. I don't want to sound uh, too harsh, you know, on them right now, you know. But they have a problem they need to, to work on, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, they, they, they need to confront that, especially in this country where you have a lot of foreign people, you know, a lot of strangers, uh, a lot of people that actually are this country. You know, yeah. all of us actually works on the image of this country and Vienna and everything, you know. And, uh, you know, it's pretty easy when you do some serious stuff, then you're a Vienna, Vienna's bass player, you know, Austrian jazz musician. Somebody wrote in Wikipedia that I'm an Austrian jazz musician. I don't, I don't have anything against it as long as I can say loud what I think, you know. So... Basically, I'm, you know, I'm recording songs like Gavrilo's Principe and I I go to RF uh, and have one hour broadcast on, on their shows, you know, with songs like that. You know, I was my I, I had songs like Lily Merlin playing in minor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm doing that stuff for like 25 years. They know me well, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm criticize them. I'm 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 you know I say loud what I think, you know, and you know you don't you don't get you don't get all the love in the world for doing that. Or it's not. Of course not. It's not. The... But it's important. It's important to do so. You know, and you know when I talk to 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 my kids here and everything. I think it's getting better, you know, because it's not like you're gonna you're gonna have any trouble on the street, you know. It's not like somebody's gonna come to you and make you make something bad to you. But the vibe, you know, the way the people are looking at the strangers here is like, uh, you know, yeah, it's more it's more subtle, but still, right. yeah. but it still has an effect if you have to live it every day. Of course, and you know, it's always like you know. Uh, Things like, uh, of course, you're not gonna get the best job in the world here, you know, because mm. you're a stranger. You know, there's some. Actually, I never got a teaching place in Austria. I got it in Germany. You know, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> you yeah. know, I got I got amazing teaching job in Germany in Berlin. I played a couple of gigs in Berlin. That's in my life. That's it. You know, I never lived there. I don't know a single person over there. I just played the, uh, I played the, the, uh, the concert over there, you know, and they, they got me enough, you know, me and 30 other bass players, you know, and in Vienna, you will not get a chance like that. No way. Mm. Because you're a foreigner, you because know, you're not from the air. Uh, and that's, That's Sad. how it works. You know, this uh. other thing, Austria is very small, you know, that's like the, the whole Austria is like two Berlins, you know, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So, so you would say there's a lot of competition in general due to the fact that it's so small. Oh no. There is, you mean not in Austria? Yeah. Oh no. I don't think there is a lot of competition. To okay. be honest. I mean, for the bass players, you mean, I, I, I don't think so. No, yeah. uh, actually, Not so many competition, not so many uh, uh, different musicians that are participating in the creativity of music. In my opinion, I don't know, mm. you know, because the, the the scene here is very close. You know, there is this whole uh, jazz police scene, which is actually working, actually not working. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there is there is this uh, huge world scene, which yeah. is actually you, we could talk about that, you know. But uh, a lot of people claiming being a world musicians or whatever that means, you know, uh, they are working here in Vienna. You know, there is the whole scene about it. But more serious than that, actually, it's not happening here at okay. the moment. You know. Okay. Yeah. So not a lot of competition. That's also the problem, you know. So basically they just wait for a new guy to come. And I remember every time there is an Austrian bass player here, they just, oh, the new Austrian bass player. Great. So you're <laughs> the best man. I'm not. You are. Okay, I am. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> That's how it works, you know. <laughs> it's strange how those type of things yeah. work. We'll give you all the jobs. Man, you have all the concerts. Because you're the best. I'm not. You are. I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th no. This is this is really strange. Kind yeah. of that thing, you know. But you know, you it's Vienna, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But so if we go back to the Balkans, also yeah. in the in the similar sense, I mean, like the wars, the Balkan wars are now over for at least 20 years. 
right. like you know depending on where mm -hmm. but uh if we look at the political and societal situation which is present there right now one could say sadly you know in all of the countries it has not improved a lot you know so how do you see how do you see all of this and what would need to happen to make a change which would eventually lead to people being able to live a better life in the future well you know that's that's the subject that needs another hour probably at <laughs> least you know uh, it's not that easy you know we have this uh, how do you, how, how should i put it the best uh, the western world is not making it any easier for us to get back to the right road you know That's my feeling for the last 30 years, actually, you know. They are pushing us really hard, you know. They actually, they want us to have a conflict between us, you know. And I don't say that's so important, you know, in, in the sense that if somebody wants you to have a conflict, you should have a conflict. But it's it's uh, more difficult to to come back to the right way, you know. That's one thing. And uh, I don't want to say also that the Western world is only guilty for what happened on the Balkans, but they're much more guilty than they think they are. You know, that's the first that's the first thing that we need to say here, you know, because uh, showing Balkan people, Balkan folk people, uh, Balkan folk uh, in, 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 uh, in reality as people that hate each other is not true. We do not hate each other. <laughs> not at all, you know. There was a lot of difficulties over there. But still, also, today, you can travel as Serb everywhere. You can travel as Croat. You can travel as a Bosnian guy. Uh, you still have a lot of Bosnian people in Serbia. They, left, they were always there. Nobody left Serbia, you know. So it's it's much, much more complex than that, you know. It's one thing. And the second thing, you know, to be honest with you, I think that things are getting better, but it, they're getting better really slow. Very you know? slow. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what, what I can see, for example, in Serbia, that Serbia is living better than before. You know, we can now, you know, discuss about the political thing and about Vucic and about this and that, but I don't want to do that. No. What I see is actually... Uh, Things are getting better, but it's really slow because of the first thing that I told you. The Western world doesn't want us want us to recover because this way we can serve them better. You know? Yeah, I mean they can, you know, can keep control and they they can put, you know, the hyper capitalism right. in there. Yeah. So but what we can judge, like, you know, you can you can see. The Europe and the world is full with Balkan people, people from Bosnia, from Croatia, from Macedonia, from uh, from Serbia, from Montenegro, from everywhere. People are, are you know, doing great jobs all over the world, you know, mm. showing, showing some respect to other nations, you know, and doing their jobs really well and, you know, making it good for their country, for our country, for our countries. And... I think we have some kind of the destiny of the Jewish people right now. You know, we're facing actually that. That's what I'm seeing with having almost, I, I don't know, uh, you know, the, the numbers, but I would say 
there is at least so many people out of the Balkan countries in the world as in the Balkans right now, right? Yeah, and becoming more and more every more and more, single right? Day. So yeah. we are we are facing this thing with with living with a lot of Balkan guys living out of the Balkan countries. Yeah, no. the so-called brain drain. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and that's what's happening, you know. But on the other hand, I see that I. Uh, Uh, for example, Vidamira, we did like two years, two or three years ago, I don't know, we did like 20 concerts in Croatia in one summer. <laughs> I mean, sorry, but I cannot do 30 concerts in one summer in Austria, you know. Yeah, and, then, and, if you, and if you go and do it, you will find that, you know, it's, the reception is great everywhere. And right. Warm. The reception was great. We had great audience, beautiful stages. You know, Croatia is beautiful, you know, and things like that. Then you also have, before that, we had like bands of great concerts in Serbia with, with, with Amira and with my band and with Boyan and uh, also only my projects. And I was doing one of the first great solo bass concerts I did in Belgrade, mm. not in Vienna, you know, yeah. to yeah. be honest with you. So, The things are getting better, you know, and uh, the musicians are better paid than, than before and everything is working out slow. I see that the Soko is working again, you know, this Gema, AKM thing, you know, that starts to work there and the things are recovering. So we can just, you know, do our jobs, uh, do our best, you know, for our countries, you know, and hope and hope for the best. Yeah, but so, yeah. But, but so uh, in your point of view or your perspective on it is quite optimistic. And uh, yeah, of course. This, yeah. this is something I, I like a lot because uh, we need this type of energy, you know, right down there. It's, it's, really, it's really important to stop criticizing things and start uh, bringing, bringing good energy and good vibe to the table. You know? I agree. I agree. That's, what, that's how I see the things, you know. So uh, we can sit down and cry, you know, talk about <laughs> this and that, you know, or we can do our best, you know, to, yeah. to laugh and, and bring positive stuff, you know, as much as we can. And the best thing, what I'm seeing, the best thing to do is actually you you just do your job the best you can. And, and the people are looking at you and they get hope, you yeah. know. Well, I see... I see many bands from Serbia and many bass players from Serbia and people looking at what I do and they like it. So they do the, their shit, you know, and yeah. then and it's, it's going forward, you know? Yeah. Okay. And I was looking at some guys, you know, that are doing their, their job good and I was motivated to do my thing, you know, and I think that's the, the most important thing, you know? Yeah. And this is also, you know, the, the, the possibility and power we, we as musicians have, and we need to use it. I agree with you. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So if, if you would try to, you know, to look at the future, I mean, you, you already said, you know, you told me about some things which are coming up, like the teaching gig in Berlin or the new albums, but are there any particular ideas, wishes or dreams which you want to realize for yourself in the future, which you did not realize yet. You mean musically? Uh, in general. In general. It can, can be musically, but can also be in general. 
Yeah, well, the the musical things I already told you about, the big band was kind of a dream coming true, you know. And I'm always dreaming of some kind of the heavy metal band that I'm going <laughs> to play in, you know. I still hope, you know, I still hope. <laughs> Hey, get in yeah. a band, you know, with the with the bass, you know, and you know, be loud. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I can relate. That, I mean, yeah, yeah. So. That's that's one of the things, you know, and and privately, you know, like uh, I'm always trying to 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 get more more balanced, you know, inside. Mm. That's that's what my main aim is because. Once you get more balanced, I think you're more productive then. Yeah, everything works better. Right. Yeah. So uh, maybe maybe moving from Vienna, you know, more, but I'm traveling a lot anyway. So I'm basically living a lot on the road in Vienna. And I'm also visiting Serbia all the time, balcony, you know, and... Uh, But maybe, you know, this, this teaching job is maybe an opportunity to move to Berlin or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I I think it's a, it's a too long time to stay 25 years in Austria, you know, so it's time to move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come to Germany, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I would love yeah. to have you here. <laughs> it's it's easy because, because of the language and everything, you know, so it's not impossible you know let's see yeah let's see what happens what but... dear gods wants what wants for me you know yeah okay cool yeah so we are i would say we are approaching the end of our conversation for today and yeah. we have talked about many topics right and of course the guest shall have the final say so is there anything you would like to share with our listeners to end the conversation of course. yeah play the music play the bass Be positive, stay well, you know, try to think positive in these crazy times and let's hope for the best, you know, but stay on it, make music. Yeah. Yeah. I can only second that. Cool. Okay, man. So I would like to Thank say you, thanks a lot. It was amazing to that. We finally get the chance to talk in that in detail and then also do it in a way which will be available for people to listen to yeah great great i'm totally grateful to you and i had a lot of fun me too man so thank you very much and thank you Armin. stay healthy and stay safe and hopefully see you sometime in real life too <laughs> of course now when i'm now when i'm starting working in, in berlin <laughs> we're probably gonna meet in germany somewhere yeah cool okay so thank you, man. Okay. Have a nice day. You too, man. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. You have been listening to Talking Spurs Podcast, episode number 24 with Armin Alic and Nenad Basilic. Thank you for staying with us today. We hope you enjoyed our offerings. And next week we are arriving at the final episode of season two. My guest is the German guitarist Thorsten Sala. If you want to listen to the other episodes so far, please visit www.talkingspiritspodcast.com. There you have also the opportunity to contact me if there's anything you want to share with me. If you like what you heard, please feel free to subscribe to the Talking Spirits Podcast at the channel of your liking. And also feel free to place a rating of the show where this is possible. Stay healthy, have a good day and see you again next Sunday. Bye.